let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there, my name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times best-selling authors and much, much more, these people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Project Egg Show. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Anthony Sarandrea. Anthony is recognized as one of the top customer generators in the world, which is a very big place, specializing in the financial services space. Running a team that drives over one million customers each year and helped America, Americans recover over $650 million in debt. Today, he runs a profitable portfolio of websites ranging from commerce to content blogs that combine receive over 10 million plus SEO, that's search engine optimization, uniques per month. One of his brands, SiteFlood, is an award-winning agency that works with select businesses to find the most efficient way to grow through analytics, paid search, SEO, and social media. There are also a ton of other impressive things that you've done, but instead of me talking and me yapping, I want to introduce, and please put your digital hands together for Anthony. How are you doing today, my man? Doing great, brother. Excited to be here. Me too. I'm excited uh, that you're here as well. So, Let's jump right in. What is your story? Sure, brother. Yeah, I know. I know you mentioned a lot of people um, listening today are aspiring entrepreneurs or just getting started on their journey. I guess I'll start back to uh, well, actually today. So, as you mentioned, we we run a large uh, fintech platform. So it's a, a, a finance technology platform um, that essentially attracts uh, customers, and we find ways and how we can help them save on their monthly bills and we make a percentage of what we're able to save them. So very much a, uh, it's not a nonprofit, but it's a very much nonprofit model where it aligns with customers. And I think, as you mentioned, we, we drive a little over a million customers a year. So um, that's today flash forward to uh, starting out at, at the age of 16. I'm, I'm going door to door um, selling uh, solar panels uh, in the 120 degree Arizona summers. Um, kind of grinding it out, trying to learn and absorb as much as I, I could. Um, ran into a, uh, a guy at the gym that's, you know, shooting hoops, playing basketball on Tuesday at noon. And uh, being who I am, just loud and want to meet everybody. I said, what the heck do you do that you're shooting hoops on a Tuesday at noon? And uh, he said, it's this wonderful thing called the internet. Um, and I, I can't sit still for 10 minutes. So uh, sitting in front of a computer was like the worst thought of all time. But I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know I wanted to be able to shoot hoops on Tuesday at noon. So uh, um, I begged him to work for him for free. Um, I think that was the first time I understood that there's a cost to people's time. 
Um, and uh, it, I was like, dude, I'm going to work for free. What, what do you mean? You're, you have to think about it. And uh, as I've gotten more mature and understanding that that that's actually more valuable currency than than money. It's uh, it's people's time. And it was for this individual. So uh, after a, a little relentlessness, I, I, uh, I got introduced to the world of the Internet. Uh, helped him grow a company from zero to $285 million in about 18 months and, and watched that explode. And then, uh, and then broke off to, uh, to running my own agency. And then eventually my own company, uh, the company's name is David. It's usedavid.com and that's the, the, the FinTech platform. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the quick uh, glimpse of it. When you were 16, going door to door selling solar panels, it seems like a pretty young age to be out there hitting the pound on the pavement, as they say. I don't actually know who the they is that says it, but yeah. going out and uh and selling and and making it happen. Like, why were you doing that at such a young age? What was the impetus there? Yeah, I think it was. You know, I I hit a point where, and I'm I'm blessed. I'm the oldest of four, um, and I had to mature very very quickly uh, with my family situation and taking care of my little brothers and things like that. Um, so, you know, growing up super fast and I, I do think I, I was always kind of an older soul. Um, I wanted to figure out what, what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And I know that's a super young age to, to think that way, but, um, I knew that there was a, uh, something more to this world and I wanted to do something big. And it was, uh, it, it felt kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, uh you, you know, what saying something as generic as, you know, I, I want to change the world or I want to do big things. Um, it's great that you have that ambition, but it's also very scary because you don't know how to outlet that and you can get let down pretty quickly because you've got this rage inside of you in a good way or passion, um, but you don't know how to outlet it so it can get frustrating. So um, I really wanted to, to learn what that was going to be. Um, that honestly was a, uh, I, I knew that sales and communication um, was, you know, is and always has been the highest paying and most, uh, you know, influential thing you can do is being able to persuade someone to buy something. Um, <laughs> we call that marketing today. Uh, and that's a really nice way of it. Um, but, you know, so I really wanted to, to learn that skill set because it was my thought that, that if I could do that, um, I would be able to, uh, you know, essentially be able to dip my feet into wherever the world took me if it was um, to do things with saving the environment, if it was to be in politics, if it was to run a marketing company, finance. I knew if I could learn how to communicate with people effectively, um, it was going to be a transferable skill, no matter what industry or, or platform I, I leveraged it in. That's a lot of insight at 16 years old. I mean, did you were you reading books or did you have somebody that was telling you about that? Like, how did you how did you gain that insight at that age? Mentors, really. It was. Uh, it, it, it's you know, I, I got blessed the people that I was around and that I had exposure to. Um, and now we can, a lot of that via the internet too. You can see someone, you know, and I wouldn't get caught up on the guy driving the Lamborghini, but you know, you can see someone who's doing, you know, massive, massive things in the world. And, you know, for me, I think I was blessed because the ceiling was raised. I think for a lot, you know, go back a decade ago, a lot of us had, you know, oh, maybe I can make, you know, six figures or something. And then the hard thing was, was to mentally get over that, you know, kind of raise that, that ceiling off uh, where today, because of Instagram and the internet, I firmly believe uh, most uh, uh, younger, younger teenagers, the challenge is it's the hard work aspect. So mine, I had the work ethic. I didn't have the, the open eye enough to know that the, you know, the world was full of, uh, you know, um, infinite possibilities uh, where now I think uh, most teenagers with again, exposure, 
they see that the world is, is, you know, you can accomplish whatever you want, but it's the work ethic that's, that's kind of missing from there. So um, anyway, I, uh, I, I helped start up a, uh, a community at ASU, Arizona State University. It was, it's a uh, uh, entrepreneurship uh, program that essentially um, the, the school uh, funds uh, ideas for, for college students and we help, you know, mentor them, bring them from idea to validation to mass market, things like that. So I get to talk to a number of, of uh, college students and pre-college students and things like that. Um, and that's kind of the overlying trend I've, I've seen today. But um, to answer your question, it was it was really I, I was exposed to mentors that that helped, uh, uh, you know, believed in me. And, and uh, you know, I did I, even if I did one thing different than the next guy, even if it was follow up one extra time or it was to be a little bit more of a pest and show up at his doorstep, literally show up at his office. Um, I, I knew I was going to be different. And I was going to stand out. And so it's little things like that that I think uh, attract uh, mentors and, and people to uh, to to really rally around you and to see a little bit of themselves in you. When you, when you had those mentors, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure if you mean the guy who was shooting hoops on a Tuesday in the afternoon or whether there were other mentors before that, um, but regardless of, of which mentors you're talking about, how did they help you open your mind? Because I'm really, really fascinated by that, that switch. Yeah. That, 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 that switch, like what did they say or, or, or what did they show you or what did they teach that caused that shift? Sure. I think, I think there's a few concepts that I still take with me every day today. Um, one is to uh, not, not be, have a scarcity mindset. So again, a lot of young entrepreneurs are like, I have this idea, but I'm not going to tell anybody about it because they're going to steal it. Um, and I'm the exact opposite. I want to tell everybody because then, uh, they're going to rally around it. And the reality is that, uh, somebody could steal your idea. Somebody could rip off Apple. They don't though, because of the brand and there's, and you know, they're always innovating and they innovate faster, but, um, I could probably go figure out how to get a cell phone manufactured and, and, and get rolling. So, you know, when, when you have, I'd say that's number one is that it is that abundant mindset. And I take that with whether that's, that's, uh, sharing information or even just looking at, the world or do I want to make this investment in, in, in my business or in myself? And it's, it's, it's this abundant and open, uh, you know, optimistic mindset versus the scarcity. So uh, I'd say that's number one. Um, the second one that I really took with me is uh, uh, fail fast. Um, I love that, that saying, and it's, it's this idea that uh, one, there's no such thing as a failure. You're learning from it. And two, the quicker you can get to failure, the, 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 uh, you know, faster you can, you can make changes to it and, and actually reach success or whatever that looks like. So same thing, you might have an idea and you don't want anyone to tell you there's anything wrong with it because you have this, you know, I call it mental masturbation. You're excited about this, this idea so much. You don't, you, you know, you don't want anyone to tell you it's bad and it's actually more fun to sit around for four hours and just dream about this great thing versus making it actually happen. Um, so, you know, but getting out there and failing and, and hearing that it's terrible and people hate it and no one wants to use it and it's the wrong market. Um, I, I don't take offense to that. And I bend and I mold and my idea is much different than it was from the start. And it ends up being a winning idea eventually because I'm, I'm seeking that negative feedback, if you will, that fit that quote unquote failure. Um, I welcome it. I want to fail all day long. Um, so is that idea of, it's kind of, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people here, you know, a lot of, not a, uh, people talk about failing and how you should embrace failure, but um, just taking it to the next level, fail fast. I want to fail really, really quickly over and over again. So I want to put out 
the, you know, the, the least amount, uh, a minimum, you know, an MVP, a minimal viable product, something that just gets some feedback. I don't need to have this app fully finish, but if I can pretend like it, I think, you know, one of my favorite stories is uh, the Palm Pilot, which eventually led to, uh, you know, the cell phone and stuff like that. The creator didn't go out and get this thing manufactured. He literally put a block of wood in his pocket. And when someone would ask for, for um, uh, you know, his contact information, he would pull out this piece of wood and literally pretend like he's poking in it and then back. And then when he had to talk to someone, he pulled it out again and it's a block of wood. But what he was really doing is he was validating to himself, would I actually use this? Would I actually pull out an object out of my pocket? And it's funny now because it's our, our, you know, it's our third arm today is a, is a cell phone, you know, but back then it was, it's foreign to think that you would keep an object on you all day long other than your wallet, you know? So um, anyway, it's that idea of fail fast. I think I've taken with me a ton too. Once when, when you were 16 and you ran into that guy on the basketball court, when you started talking to him and trying to work for him for free, what were those things that you had to do to follow up relentlessly in order to be able to work with him? Yeah. I mean, it it was, it's everything from the intangibles, right. Of showing up at the right time that I knew he was going to be at the gym and uh, literally stalking him indirectly, you know, and, uh, or if he was, you know, if he's sitting down eating lunch, you know, say, hey, can I, can I sit with you and, and really befriending him and trying to be friends. And, and it's not necessarily out of selfish reasons, but even now, like I'm always thinking what, you know, what's in it for the other person or how can I add value to the other person's life? Um, even if it was playing one-on-one or rebounding for the guy um, to eventually now you, you're friends with him. And again, I'm not going in with a selfish thought process, but it's how can I genuinely add value to this guy's life? And maybe one day in return, he or somebody else will add value back to me. So little things like that, re- literally rebounding for him, uh, showing up when he would, when he's eating, you know, going and grab him water and hanging out. I'm not necessarily saying being a servant to him, but like be fr- becoming friends and not just being a, a, a leech or a nag and things like that. And then as far as the actual, you know, the tactical, the follow-up, you know, it, it, it might be cell phone texting and just sending, you know, like, Hey, how'd you play today? Or how'd you do today? It has nothing to do with me wanting to work for him, but it has everything to do with me building that relationship with him where now he genuinely wants to see me succeed because now we're friends. And now he sees that, that I actually genuinely care about him as well too. So um, tactically, you know, it, it's like, you know, call tax it is, but it's really, even now, if I'm trying to make a sale to someone or I'm trying to I will, I'll, you know, I'll call it, it's almost like a drip marketing campaign. I'll, I'll text them, you know, news on the industry that just happened or a picture of something they like, or if I know they love snowboarding, I'll send them the weather up in Aspen or something like that. And it's just little post touches that I continue to stay relevant until the timing's right. So sometimes it's not always the, the wrong thing. It's just the timing's not there. So if I can, if I can still be along there until the timing hits, um, it, gen- it generally uh, takes off and rockets out. Once you started to work with him, yeah, what were some of the key things that you learned? Like what were some of the biggest takeaways that you got from there? You know, today running my business, it, it, I, I think that one of the biggest things I take is, is trust in those around you. I remember literally at that age, him saying you have up to $2,000 spending with it where you don't have to ask me a single thing about. And I was like, holy shit, $2,000. I was like, I'm rich. I was like, that's a, I was like, what do you mean? You're not going to miss $2,000. I was like, oh my God, like what? But it's that empowerment and trust that I think, I think those, those that work with me and are on my team or, uh, you know, I think that's one thing I have as a leader different than most is I have, 
an incredible amount of empowerment uh, to, to, to those that work with us. And, you know, if you're, I always say, if, you know, if you're on the bus, you're the right person here and I trust you driving the bus. So it's, it's uh, literally handing the keys and going in the back of the bus and, and, and trusting that we're going to get to the destination. And now that might mean sometimes I got to go put the right wheels on. I got to get out of the bus and I got to, you know, jack it up and change out the, the tires or I got to get them, you know, get, get the bus driver better gloves for it. So it's, it's empowering those, but um, at a young age, I was empowered to really when I shouldn't have been, I have no experience. I had no, but he knew he saw something in me as a person. Um, it gets back today too. We hire for personality and character traits and we, we don't hire for skill set. I can take anyone off the street and make them the best media buyer on the planet and know how to run Facebook ads. Um, if they have the right character and they have the right way of thinking and thought process, things like that. So, um, that, that's one thing I've taken away today with how we hire, um, how I carry myself with my team, um, and, and things like that. And, and it's, it's allowed us to stay lean. It's allowed us to attract some of the best, uh, uh employees on the planet. Uh, and, and really to propel at such a fast rate. It's, it's, I think it's because everybody owns their own business within a business. I've got a team full of entrepreneurs um, and feeling that at, at that young age uh, really set the tone for me to be able to do that to other people and not having to be, you know, hold on to responsibility that I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, especially um, from going one to two employees or from themselves to one employee to two to five to 10. Um, there's this sense of releasing of control at every stage of a business um, or at different stages, I should say. Um, and that, that's, uh, you, you know, I, I think you, you, you have to have that trust in your team, um, in order to get to where you want to go. Otherwise you're, you're, you can, you only have so many hours in the day for yourself. You know, I, I work, I have a thousand, I, you know, I might, I might have the output of a thousand hours every single day, but it's, it's not my literal thousand hours. It's everybody around my team and they, they compound on each other, the longer they're part of the team, the more they work together. So, um, I look at it like that is, is I produced a thousand hours, or, you know, I, I collectively, we produced a thousand hours worth of work today. Um, but I, you know, I maybe only worked eight hours today, you know, that's extremely powerful. And I, and I love the empowerment model of creating entrepreneurs within your, within your company. There, there are two, there are two parts of that, that I really want to drill down into. The first is, when you said that you are hiring for personality, you're looking yeah. for people with the right qualities, the right traits. Uh, I would love to really drill down into what those are and how you identify them. Um, right. And then I also want to drill into the entrepreneur too, but, but let's talk about the, the traits and the personality first. I think the, I think the, my favorite trait is uh, one, I think you have to have someone that buys into the vision. Uh, someone who, truly believes in the bigger cause. I mean, we've had employees that have had offers of $50,000 more to go somewhere else and they stay because they believe in the cause and the vision that, that we're wow. there. They're not there for the paycheck. They're there for uh, the family and the team and, and things like that. Uh, but really as far as uh, on the, on the surface, the, the traits I look for is one of them, uh, a big one is not having pride. Um, I think that, that, that ends up hurting people uh, more often than helping is, is a pride factor and, you know, being able to, uh, say, you know, I was wrong on this, or what do you think about this? And be able to get candid, get, give and receive, um, candid feedback, knowing that we're all going to the same destination, I would say is the, the number one, um, trait that we look for when, when hiring, because, you know, and we've had, we've, we've, we've had some mishires where we might have a graphic designer that, um, you know, say, Hey, why don't you try that in red? And they're like, no, green is perfect. And, it's very difficult to work with that. And I, I found very quickly early on in my career, having somebody 
or my, my leadership career, if you will, having, having somebody in there, it becomes a virus because then uh, Jack doesn't want to talk to Jill about what's going on. And now Jack holds back, even though he, he sees that there's an iceberg ahead and we're going to hit it. He doesn't say it. Um, so it, 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 it's, it's a virus within the body that just, that just pulls it down. So um, uh, staying clear of those types of people and attracting the, the heck out of, out of the other ones that are, and everything else goes into it, hard work, loyalty, uh, team player, everything else. But I'd say if I had to sum it up to one, it's, it's uh, not, not carrying themselves with pride um, is, is, uh, is number one. Wow. There's a, uh, there, there's a, I'm trying to think of the right, the right term professor, I believe Dr. Carol Dweck, who talks about a growth mindset. It seems like those two are very connected because if you're letting your ego drive the show, then it seems like you really won't be open to growing and to getting better. And I mean, you, you said that you could train anybody to be the best media buyer in the world, but it would be hard to learn that if, you know, if you think you already are the best. Yeah. I'd so. say, I'd say the, the, the other thing that I really look for are people that are unrealistic. Um, it's like Will Smith is famous for saying like, uh, uh, being realistic is the most commonly traveled path to mediocrity. So, um, I need people to believe that we're going to help a million customers, uh, this year, even though we've helped zero today, you know, and, 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 it, and, you know, two years later, but we do help a million customers. And it's, if you go sell that to someone on the street, they laugh at those goals or they laugh at those dreams. And, you know, we'll, we'll have meetings where, you know, what are your personal goals? And nobody's laughing when somebody says, I want to own the Suns in three years, or, you know, the Phoenix Suns, or I want to, uh, whatever it is, you know, and, and it's like, how, how can you say that you're just a content writer within the company? No, you're not. You're much more than that. And you very well can get to that level. So uh, we really look for those people that, that are super unrealistic uh, with the way they think, the way they dream, um, where they think there's boundaries. Um, if uh, retargeting hasn't worked for campaign XYZ, um, they're going to try it again because they think, you know what, maybe this time there's something slightly different. Maybe it's the season. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's all. Um, so they're, they're constantly curious with life and they're curious with how far life can take them. So, um, but, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The ego is the biggest, the, the, the biggest one to look for. I think even internally in ourselves, just measuring, you know, where's our ego, uh, and consistently keeping that in check because I think that'll be the Achilles heel to to any of us. It seems like what you were saying about being more than just a content writer is is very similar to the idea of bringing uh, entrepreneurs into the into the organization. And I guess the question that I have there is, if you're building very entrepreneurial minded people and people who have insanely amazing uh, expectations and are always going to the top. How do you, how do you keep together that team? Because it seems like such rock stars would be going off and doing their own thing or going over here and maybe getting distracted. Like, is there a balance? How do you, how do you keep the team unified and, and sustained over a long period of time? So I find that A players like playing with A players. So if if you're an A player, uh, you enjoy showing up and having looking to your left and looking to your right and having and feeling like you're peanuts to them. You, you're you're struggling to measure up to them. Um, even though that's not the case at all. You might be you, you know you you might be the best Facebook ad buyer on the planet, uh, but the guy to your left is is an incredible PHP developer, um, and you know that. And it's it's this sense of it's like. 
it's like training with an Olympic athletes. It's like you, you, you don't want to go train at LA fitness after you've trained with Olympic athletes. Like you want to, if you're truly an Olympic athlete, you like being pushed like that. And you like having the support and you like when you're ready, you're done with the workout and the guy that left you says, let's take one more lap. You, you're addicted to that and you love that. So, um, you know, we, we have, I, I'd say, I, I can't think of anyone um, that, that, that has, has, you know, uh, really been unhappy in our culture. And I think we have, we have the strongest retention um, because of that. It's A, it's a family, B, everybody around you pushes each other. And then the last thing is the, the autonomy that I don't think you'll receive other places. It's, it's, or by giving that autonomy, I should say, uh, now I feel like we're, I'm pitching us, but uh, the, the, uh, the uh, autonomy of, you know, I, I tell everyone within the first, literally within their first day, I go, if you don't break some shit within the first month here, we hired the wrong person. Um, so it's this idea that I don't want you to be safe. If you're safe, we're, we're going to be mediocre. I really want to get a call that you fucked up all of our servers and our sites are all down because you were trying to do X, Y, you know, you were trying to uh, make it so that the, the site loads two seconds faster or something like that. Like that's an awesome call to get because we're, we're, we're the execution wasn't there, but the idea and the direction was right. So I think having that trust that it's like, I, I really can go. I have that much autonomy in my position. I don't think anybody feels like, I don't say anybody works for me. They work with me. Um, I don't think anybody on the team feels like they go to a job. They feel like they run their own department. If you're a content writer, you're, you don't, you're not a content writer. You are, you, you are an influencer and an educator to people. Um, and you get to save uh, people's marriages because you teach them how to save money. You get to save suicides because you teach them how to manage their finances through your words on the site. And they really believe that and they know the impact they're having. So um, uh, anyway. It seems like you're really fired up about everything that you do and you're very passionate and it seems like the the organization and culture that you've built is is a reflection of that and i'm, I'm sure that's very intentional in, in a lot of ways um but for those who aren't intimately familiar with what you do can you take a take a few minutes to really explain like in depth what you do what you're trying to solve what you're trying to create and where you're trying to go yeah, definitely. So we're looking to solve a, uh, there's a, tr it's a trillion dollar market, a trillion dollar problem. And it's credit card debt in America and student loan debt and other things like that. Um, but um, it, what, what we do on the surface is we educate consumers on uh, the solutions that are available to them that they've been uh, really lied to and tricked to by big banks and corporations where it, you know, a credit card company makes a few bucks off of a processing fee where they really make their money is when you're late on your payments and there's 22% interest on the credit card. And they might've signed you up for that credit card when you're 18 years old at 0%. Um, and then a year later, the interest rate spiked because it was a promo or something like that, or uh, you were late on this one card. So they were, so anyway, it's, it's a, that and student loan debt, which I think people are, are, are very familiar with as well too, is a massive issue in our, in our, uh, and it's never since credit cards were introduced, there's never been a downward slope in amount of credit card debt in America. Um, so we're looking to reverse that trend and we're doing that through education uh, to consumers on their options. Again, we get paid on a referral of, of um, uh, really with how much money you save. So our, 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 our visions are, excuse me, our goals are aligned with consumers. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the next stage of what we're starting to create is 
we're, we're helping getting you out of that black hole, but now it's how can we keep you out of that black hole? So if you have uh, $20,000 in credit card debt, we might be able to negotiate that down with American Express down to $12,000. Um, and again, we make a percentage of what we save. Um, once we get you on a plan where now you're going to pay that off, um, it's how do we keep you out of that and how do we keep you educated so that you, you can live the life you want to live and enjoy the things you want to live. And we're not just helping people with their finances. It does get back to, like I said, we're saving divorces, saving families, we're saving suicides. Like we truly believe that that's what we're doing because we are, because we know finances is you know, one of the top problems for marriages or, or one of the top reasons for suicides or things like that, or even overall happiness. So um, I, I think we, we found a, a home on uh, a topic that's really a taboo topic people don't like to talk about, um, but it's very, very important for a holistic life for people to be happy. So uh, that's what we do in a nutshell. So it seems like your superpower is educating normal people on how to really take back control of their finances, specifically in the credit card area, and then also negotiating on their behalf with the credit card agencies to get that uh, that lump sum that is owed, that debt, get that down, and then help your client, which is the everyday person, put together a financial plan to get back to where they want to go. Nailed it on the head. Yeah. And we, we do that through... Uh, mostly online acquisition. So a lot of social ads, Facebook ads, um, native advertisements, Snapchat, Google, things like that, YouTube, um, some direct mail as well too. But yeah, it's primarily uh, online acquisition. We drive a few thousand inbound phone calls a day um, to our partners. Wow. So how do you negotiate with these credit card companies? Great question. So uh, a number, vast majority of people with credit card debt have already paid back. And I think they'd be disgusted to see uh, the principal balance they paid back. And what they're really paying back is interest penalties and fees. Um, so what we have is we have buying power on the bank. So I'm able to go to Bank of America and say, I have $200 million of your credit card debt. Um, let's let's get on, you you know, you've made your money. Let's, let's get a fair uh, uh, repayment plan in place where, uh, Ben's actually going to be able to pay you back um, and get out of debt and and, and, uh, and and move on with his life, you know, because what's happening is your minimum payments you're making every month, really maybe $10 of that's actually going to the principal, the rest going to interest. So you're in this black hole, a sinkhole that you're never going to get out of. Um, and they know that. And eventually you're going to go to a collections agency. So where they make pennies on the dollar, they have to sell you to, you know, sell you to the devil essentially, um, it's not good for you because now you're going to get rung up with letters, calls, people showing up at your house. It's not good for them. They don't make their money back. So we're right in between bankruptcy collection and and the consumer that's that's really being taken advantage of every single day. Why did this particular mission catch your passion? Yeah, I, you know, I grew up uh, in a family that lived paycheck to paycheck, um, and I saw how. Uh, Friday uh, through Sunday or through Tuesday of the next week was great. We ate well, we lived well, we had we put gas in the car, and then I saw how the last week of the of the the pay period uh, was uh, tight to not healthy at all. Where uh, you, you know you can't go somewhere because you can't drive the car, or uh, fighting because you don't have enough money to pay uh, for soccer. Uh, uh, 
uh, league this year or something like that for one of your kids. And, you know, I, I, I saw the, the sadness that that brought the challenges that that brought um, and how a lot of it was unavoidable. Um, and I realized as a marketer, we're consistently surrounded. It's not even really our fault surrounded and trained to be uh, good consumers. We'd be a really bad consumer. If Ben loved, if you love that shirt and you were totally cool wearing that for the next three years, you're a terrible consumer for, for apparel companies. You're terrible because you're, you're happy in your own skin. I can make you uncomfortable that you need to buy Botox and then, Oh, you need to change your hair. You need to get better shoes. You need to eat different. You need to, you need rings on you. If I can teach you that that's what your happiness is going to derive from, um, you're a great consumer. And, and, and I, I love you because money comes out of your pocket and goes into mine, you know, or goes into not literally mine, you know, if I'm, if I'm a, a company. So I'm um, seeing that that was the world that's been created and just seeing the depression that comes with that, with people that they need, if they don't have a Lamborghini, they're not happy. Some of my, my, favorite people on the planet and happiest people live so minimally. It's ridiculous. Um, and some of them are very bright, successful people and, uh, they hike every day and they do, you know, and they're happy genuinely. Um, but they're bad consumers. So, um, seeing, seeing that, that, that's the, really what we've been trained as Americans, um, by, by mass media and, and marketing. Um, I, 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 and seeing that, 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 that trend is, is gone in the wrong direction every single year uh, was an issue that I knew I could. Remember when I told you when I was 16, I really wanted to change the world and do something big. Um, I finally found, you know, how I could do that and how I could touch multiple lives. And I could be a doctor and save you when you're sick or things like that. But finances I found was the root of majority of problems uh, for people in their everyday life. So if I can fix that problem, I can fix a lot of other things in people's lives. When did the light bulb go off that this was your passion? Because I feel like there's a lot of indecision amongst entrepreneurs, uh, especially people who are getting started or thinking about getting started. They're like, I don't know what my passion is. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I need to pursue. How, How did it feel when you finally had that eureka moment maybe it wasn't one single moment but how did that feel and how did you know that that was it you know i I live by this mantra that action creates clarity um so what i mean by that is there wasn't one moment and there still isn't and it will it changes honestly every month every week on what we're doing um and how we're doing it uh that passion is re-sparked different different and honestly even the impact we're making it all becomes relative and i would get bored if that wasn't the case so um, you know, for, for instance, when I first started, like I said, I was, I was, uh, working, uh, selling solar panels. I was working for him for free. I was personally training. I think I was a Coca-Cola campus, you know, a rep for Coca-Cola. Uh, I had like five or six different jobs. I was running a social media marketing for some ladies, like uh, solar panel recycling company. And it was just a, a coincidence. They're both solar panels. But point being is I was doing like five, six, seven different things, a cleaning pools. Like I was doing all these things and even if I was crossing off the list things, it was a win. So even if I was like, got it, don't want to be up at 4 a.m. cleaning pools, X, like that's still a win for me. And I do that every single day with, if, if it's like, great, let's, let's release a mobile version of the app or something. And we do, and it flunks. It's like, okay, don't do that. You know, let's move to, <laughs> this. got it, don't do that. And then eventually though, it gets clearer and clearer. And I don't, uh, hopefully that process at least never stops for me because then I'll get bored. Um, and, and 
you know, I, I think it's just this idea of having passion for life. I'm just passionate to be alive. I could be, I literally, I joke, I could be a manager at McDonald's and I'd still have the same passion if I was passionate about that, because I'm just excited to be awake every day. I'm excited to live. I just feel so blessed that I get to uh, breathe every day. And so carrying that passion into anything I'm doing and that happiness. And I think it, you know, I didn't wake up with that passion. I wasn't like, I'm just an energetic, happy person. Like, I trained this fucking thing. I trained it every single day. And I do every single day to feel that way and to think that way. And to, to, when the negative thought came, I blocked it. I said, no, 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 no. How can I twist that? How can I make it positive to now it becomes second nature and it becomes, you know, it, it's, it's, it's quick, but um, to answer your question, it feels great. And it felt great when I was uh, selling my first solar panel system and it felt fucking great when I was, uh, I had my first client at the agency and it felt great when I gave my first speech and it felt, you know, and, and it, 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 they're all cool and it's all great on the path to greatness. I didn't just wake up and be like, I'm going to, this is it. Got it. I'm set. Let's run now. Like I've been running since I was 16, maybe before that I've been running at things. And uh, you know, I, will I finish my life helping people with their finances? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'll, 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 you know, jive into this or that. I don't know, but today this is what I'm doing and I'm going to do it hundred percent and I'm going to fucking love doing it. Um, or I'm going to stop doing it, you know? So anyway, um, there wasn't, uh, to answer your question, there wasn't one moment of, of clarity, although uh, it does get clearer and clearer. I think as you, you get more experience, get more mature and you cross more things off your path. But if I'm starting today and, and uh, you know, I'm looking back at 16, like I told you, you've got this, this passion to be an entrepreneur, to do something with your life, but you don't know how. Um, I would do a lot of things and I would stay busy and I wouldn't be, and I would consistently be every week be like, do I like this? Do I love this? Am I okay with this? I'm just consistently pulse checking myself and saying, God, I need to stop doing this. I need to do more of this. I'm okay with doing this. So I'm consistently just being mindful of how I'm feeling, how I'm thinking, things like that. Um, and I think I just keep graduating to different stages in my life, but they're all cool. They're all on the same level. I'm equally as happy as serving a million customers as I was serving my first one. One of the main goals of this show is to inspire people and that was fucked by firing, dude. That was amazing. And I love how practical that was of you can't just sit and think about like, what's my passion? And then it'll just come to you. Like you got to go out and try stuff, cross stuff off the list. And eventually you'll work yourself into that thing and, and constantly asking yourself, asking those hard questions. For sure. One, one thing that I am interested in drilling down into yeah. is that daily practice with three things I'm thankful for. Uh, Tim Ferriss is the five minute journal, uh, which I adopted a few years ago and I love it. And it, it, it takes me even less than that. Now like when, when I feel it, I'll take a break and I'll go I'll walk at the park or I'll go buy a course on how to do heart surgery. That's obviously being funny, but uh, you know, like that, that whatever that actionable thing is like, I'm going to do that before I go to sleep. So go wake up, go to sleep with gratitude um, uh, pick circle one thing for the day. And then for me, my meditation is, I c comes through working out and being healthy. Um, so I think, um, was it Tim Ferriss's, uh, tools of Titans book? I think he said like 73% of them, but 70 something percent of people he interviewed have a daily med They meditate daily. Um, and for me, that's really just pausing and being mindful. I don't think it's, it has to be, you know, sitting back and not thinking about everything, although that's great and being Zen and, and that's cool. I do that too. I'm not making fun of it. But honestly, even just stopping and like thinking and being mindful and setting time aside to think, you know, and it's, it's, uh, I think that's one of the most undervalued thing that entrepreneurs and humans in general should do is we're so consumed with, I'm on Instagram and then I'm on this and I got to do my email, then I got to call. And then I, all of a sudden, like my day, I was a robot all day long. 
Um, even if I set aside 15 minutes to just, um, that's some of the most productive time, even though it feels anti-productive at the beginning, some of the most productive things come out of just like, I'm going to do nothing for 15 minutes except just think. So anyway, take time to think, circle one thing for the day, go to bed and wake up with gratitude or really like if I had to drill it down to a few things. How do you think in that thinking time? Like what does thinking look like for you? For me, it's super unstructured and no judgment. So if I'm thinking about like how are candles made, like I'm going to think about how candles are made and I'm going to trust that there's some nugget that's going to come out of that rabbit hole that I'm going down. So I'm not necessarily mindfully going in like I need to solve how we can uh, deliver more text messages in a day or something like that. Even though I do believe when I'm thinking about stuff like that, like I will, I will gravitate towards those things because I want to figure those out. I'll even think about it before I go to bed and I'll find myself like figuring out in my sleep. There's actually science behind that. Like if you have a problem, start thinking about it before you go to bed, not that you're restless, but like thinking about it in a calm way, your mind will actually solve it while you're sleeping. Like I've, I've actually firsthand experienced that a ton, but as far as how I'm thinking, like in those, the, I, I have no judgment on what I'm thinking about and I have no agenda. I'm just taking the time just to be clear and, and not hang on to a thought or ask, you know, why am I thinking about it? I don't mean to sound hippie guru, but you know, like why I'm not like, don't think about the candle, think about solving the text message problem. You know, I'm like, you know what? I wonder where they do come up. And honestly, I might start making a list. I'm like, I'm going to look up like manufacturers of candles. And like, for some weird reason, I always find, even if it's not immediate, like that rabbit hole I go down to leads to some benefit in my life in some way. So just trusting gets back to that abundant mindset of it. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, I know everything's happening for a reason around me. If I get sued tomorrow, if I get punched in the face, walking out of my apartment, if I get whatever it is, like, I know it happened for a reason, even if at this, at that moment, like, I don't know why someone just punched me in the face, but like could have prevented me from walking into traffic and getting hit by a car. So I trust that that's, that's happening. So anyway, how, when I'm taking time to think, I'm just being super non-judgmental about what I'm thinking about. I'm letting my mind just wander and be creative. Um, A lot of trouble out there. So which, which your, uh, and talk about consumerism. Yeah. Like, but it gets back to that, like just mindfulness thinking, taking control of your life. And guess what? Technology is going to surpass that where now people are doing telemedicine and doctors are making less and stuff like that. So negative way, but I'm just always like, okay, look at it on the left side and the right side. And then I make the decision in the middle. Like, so um, anyway. It seems like one of the foundations of making this change is, which I totally agree with. And I recognize that that was like, it was a quick, Easy question to ask, but a very difficult one to answer. So I appreciate you, uh, you know, giving it, giving it a fair shake. Um, but it, it seems like one of the, the foundations of trying to fight back against that is that education that you're talking about. Yeah. Giving people the knowledge that, that there is another path, that what has been, I guess, preached by mass media for years and years and years and years and years is not the only way to do it. Right. My, my question there is how do you make that? Yeah. How you, how you make that education powerful enough? I think so. I think as long as you're mindfully making the right decisions um, and the question you asked is a very difficult one. It, it, it's uh, it, it takes a lot, but day to day that that's how I at least manage myself with, fighting consumerism and fighting some of those, those uh, things that the world's pushing on me and, and limiting how long.